Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Thursday, February 19th, 1688, off the coast of Ilavache, south of Saint-Domingue. Quartermaster Maturon de Moretz, standing on the deck of the Santa Rosa, a Spanish 14-gun frigate. The sun is setting, the sky darkening, but the 70 sailors on board are living it up. The rum is flowing and the sea shanties echo out into the darkness. The sailors on board are dancing, shouting, and brandishing their swords to the heavens as one. Forty-eight hours earlier, Mathuron de Moretz and his travel companions were being held on an island by the French Navy. For these buccaneers who answered to no man, It was akin to being thrown in jail. Their only wish was to sail where the mood and the wind took them, always on a permanent quest for new spoils, and they could not accept being held back. Today, though, they are free once more. The pirates made a successful getaway. Under the cover of dusky shadows, they boarded a vessel, weighed anchor, and set off towards the south. For the quartermaster Demaretz, This would be the start of a pirating adventure that would take him across the world. To celebrate the release of the new Skull and Bones video game, discover the stories of some of the most infamous pirates of the Indian Ocean. The cruel, bloodthirsty privateers, buccaneers, and sailors-turned-criminals terrorized and pillaged the seas. Pirates were not born. They were made. I'm Michelle Rodriguez, and you're listening to Gangsters of the Seas. Some pirates are opportunists. Others are born for it. Maturon de Moretz was the second kind of pirate, at home on the seven seas. He was a true outlaw, an insatiable bandit sailing from target to target. His seafaring history is teeming with mystery and legend. All his crew knew about him was that he was born in France, somewhere on the Atlantic coast, probably around 1650. He must have been around 30 when he started making a name for himself. At this time, Maturon de Moretz was set up on the French side of the island of Saint-Domingue, a former Spanish colony captured by the French a few decades earlier. Saint-Domingue and Tortuga Island to its north were well-known spots for privateers and buccaneers. 
Privateers work on commission, like sailors for hire, and remain within a given geographic area. Buccaneers, however, are not even really sailors. They're hunters, pillagers. They sail on privateer vessels when needed for missions, but always come back to land afterwards. Privateers and buccaneers created a brotherhood with a system of rules and an honor code. Under the self-styled name of the Brethren of the Coast, they were essentially based on Tortuga Island. Maturon de Moretz was one of them. In 1686, he boarded a ship captained by the privateer Lorenz de Graaf. This Dutch-born French captain was commissioned to hunt enemy ships. It was a win-win. Privateers took home some coin, and France weakened its enemy's navies. During the summer, Maturon de Moretz was involved in the boarding of a small Spanish frigate, the Santa Rosa, near Cartagena in Colombia. The French privateers stood strong in the face of cannon fire. They started boarding and reached the vessel. The fighting was violent. Some privateers were killed, others maimed. Despite this, Demaretz and his crew ultimately subdued the Spanish sailors. The captain took control of the Santa Rosa and set sail. Although Lawrence de Graaf and his crew were adventurers sent on behalf of the governor of Saint-Domingue, they remained cruel, bloodthirsty pillagers at heart. As they were increasingly becoming a nuisance, the authorities eventually caught up with them. The governor ordered them to relocate to Ilavash. This former pirate hangout south of the island of Hispaniola had become the garrison for the buccaneers and privateers brought to heel. Once here, they could take to the seas only if so ordered by the admiral governing the island. And they would not be able to attack other ships when doing so. A few hundred buccaneers were stuck on the island. Maturon de Moretz himself among them wasn't planning to stick around. He wanted to be back at sea. And in particular, he wanted to be free. At the start of 1688... The governor of Saint-Domingue was preparing to check on the privateers held on the island, and Demaretz was setting up a crew of 70 men who refused to be held down. With the support of Lorenz de Graaf, the men boarded the Santa Rosa at dusk on February 18, 1688. They raised anchor and set sail. Maturon Demaretz then became more than a simple buccaneer happy to do dirty work. With Jean Charpon elected captain, de Marest was appointed quartermaster. He would therefore manage the navigation, organization, and the supplies for the ship. De Marest was the captain's right-hand man. With the Ilavash behind them, the Santa Rosa and her crew set off for Roatan, an island off the coast of Honduras. They were on the hunt for the Spanish ships transporting the wealth of the colonies back to Europe. Upon their arrival, they met Jean Faton, another notorious privateer who had washed up there a few months earlier. They were members of the Brethren of the Coast. It was only natural, therefore, that they joined the Santa Rosa. In October 1688, they were spotted in Newcastle, on the Delaware coast. 
They were coming to sell the cargo of the Dutch vessel captured a few months prior. Charpin was no longer captain of the Santa Rosa at this point. He had been left along the American coast and replaced by Jean Fauton. The new captain wanted a change of scenery, and so he suggested to his crew that they set off for Africa. The eastern waters were safer, as pirates like themselves were being permanently pursued in the Caribbean. In March of 1689, after several long weeks at sea, the pirate ship finally spotted the islands of Cape Verde. The voyage was rough and took a toll on the ship. Maturon de Moretz did not have time to drop anchor, though, as he quickly realized that a nasty surprise was waiting for them. They were boarded by a French military vessel commanded by Captain Jean Ducasse. Ducasse needed them for a mission he was conducting against the Dutch colony of Suriname in South America. He immediately requisitioned the pirate ship and her crew. Their strive for freedom was once again out of their grasp. Although the captain allowed them to capture the Spanish ship en route, the expedition did not go as smoothly as planned. The French fleet was not even able to attack the Dutch territories. A little later, after helping take back the island of St. Kitts, the pirate crew was finally able to break free from the clutches of Jean Ducasse. They sailed to Martinique, where the quartermaster intended to leverage his network. Once there, the Count of Blenoc, the governor of Antilles, provided his assistance. After all, they were friends, and money had changed hands. With the Count's support, Maturin de Moretz bought his own ship, the Machine, a merchant vessel that could carry a crew of 120. Some months later, in June 1690, de Moretz captured his first loot as captain. It all happened off the coast of Trinidad. He had been following the Ballista, a towering Spanish ship for several days. The French captain decided the time was right for an attack. He fired a few warning shots and started circling the ship. When they were close enough, the crew slung their grappling hooks and climbed aboard. Once on board, the French crew didn't hold back. They ran across the main deck, yelling and waving their weapons as they went. Sword and dagger strikes rained down on their enemies, and the deck was bathed in blood. Maturon de Moretz ordered a search of all the decks, piece by piece. Once the final holdouts had been killed or thrown to the waves, the captain started the tally. He was not disappointed. In the cargo hold, the pirates had found nearly 45 tons of cocoa, 3,000 flasks of Maderia wine, dozens of iron and steel chests and rolls of fine silk. The plentiful spoils would allow Demarest to start a new ambitious campaign. He left the helm of the machine to one of his crew members, the pirate Etienne de Montambon, and took control of the Spanish vessel, which he renamed the Bellastrelle. In the summer of 1691, both pirate ships arrived in Montanique. Demarets was not planning on hanging around, though. His protector, the Count of Belenac, 
had returned to France. And Demaretz knew that his successor would likely have him arrested. He stayed long enough to stock up on food and munitions and added ten guns to his new ship. The machine and the Bellastrelle sailed eastward to the African coast. The captain ordered a first stop in the Azores in early 1692. This stop lasted longer than planned due to the unexpected series of easy loot. Ship after ship passed within range of his guns, all were attacked. In a few short months, the pirates had captured a good seven Dutch and English ships. After this fruitful interlude, Demaretz decided to follow the African coastline south. He knew that around the coast of Gambia, he could easily attack slave traders sailing to the Americas and the Caribbean colonies. Their precious human cargo was worth its weight in gold. However, the Bellestrelle was quickly spotted. In December 1692, an agent of the Royal African Company reported multiple attacks from the French pirate in a message sent to London. He described the bloodthirstiness of the crew and expressed the concerns of the trading companies working in the region. But Demarest did not spend too long in Gambia either. He continued his path southward. An idea had been gnawing at him for months. He wanted to reach the Indian Ocean and continue to the Red Sea. Throughout his travels, he had heard rumors of this new sea, a land of plenty for pirates. His head swirled with stories of exploits of the English pirates there. He had heard tales of the Mughal vessels whose holds abounded with fantastic treasure, enough loot to keep the crew comfortable for several lifetimes. These stories were all Maturon de Moretz needed to weigh anchor. At the end of their long voyage, the French pirate crew wasted no time upon their arrival in the Red Sea. Sailing from south to north, from Yemen to Surat, they attacked all Mughal and Arabian vessels whose paths they crossed. From small trading boats to armed navy ships, nothing would stop Maturon de Moretz. The captain himself headed the boarding each time. He built a notorious name for himself over time. Stories of his sudden attacks, of beheaded corpses, and the countless dead bodies thrown overboard struck terror into the hearts of the Indian sailors. For more than two years, the crew of the Bellastrelle prowled the Red Sea. Maturon de Moretz didn't even bother sailing back down to Madagascar to spend some of his loot, finding supplies and provisions along the coast of Arabia and Africa. Slowly but surely, his hold became full of remarkable treasure. However, de Moretz kept playing with fire and putting himself at risk. During the boarding of a Mughal vessel that was much larger and better armed than the Bellestrelle, she took serious damage. Multiple cannon shots tore through the hull and the sails of the pirate frigate. Captain Demaretz was forced to retreat. In September 1694, after several weeks at sea, he landed at the port of Rajapur 
in India. This area, halfway between Goa and Mumbai, was controlled by the English and their East India Company. They were not gracious hosts. If they had recognized the captain of the Belestrel, they would have certainly been tempted to deliver him to the Mughal emperor, whose ships had been under attack for months. But Demaretz did not stick around. Rather than having his boat repaired there, he chose instead to purchase a grab, a small Indian boat. This second vessel would allow him to save his crew and some of his loot if the Belestrel ended up sinking. With the good winds in his sails, Maturon de Moretz was able to make it to the small island of Mawali in the Comoros archipelago. With its base surrounded by razor-sharp rocks, he would be able to keep curious vessels away and repair the Belestrel in peace. Several weeks of work later, the pirate ship was finally ready to set sail once again. Laden with treasures, Captain de Moretz hoped to make a triumphant return to Martinique and enjoy his new fortune. Unfortunately, his luck turned. As he was leaving the port of Mawali, a violent storm broke out. Powerful gales battered the sails of the ship, pushing her dangerously close to the rocks. Despite his desperate maneuvers, Demarest was powerless, and the Belestrel broke up, sinking at the entrance to the bay. The crew had just enough time to save a small portion of the treasure and weapons stored in the hold. Now, though, the sailors had to make it back to dry land. Demaretz had no choice but to send six of his men to the neighboring island of Nizwani to purchase a new ship. This island had a lot more foot traffic, though. The pirates were quickly spotted. English pirate Henry Every, who had stopped on his way to the Indian Ocean, confiscated the gold they had on them. The six men were forced to explain what had happened to them and to reveal the position of the rest of the crew. Some days later, Maturon de Moretz was able to make out the sails of Captain Every's towering ship on the horizon as it made its way towards Mawali. He took his crew and attempted to find refuge inland. Despite their efforts, Every ultimately captured 50 of his men, forcing them into his own crew. Only a handful of them evaded capture. In 1697, Maturon de Moretz resurfaced on La Réunion, then called the Bourbon Island. He had undertaken a difficult voyage on a small boat from the Comoros. With him were just a few sick and exhausted men. The French pirate had lost everything, his treasure, his crew, and his ship. He was only 44, but looked a good 15 years older. He was sick, weak, and had lost an arm. Given his pitiful state, he was granted amnesty by the governor of the island, who felt sorry for him and forgave his criminal past. Full of new hope, he married a 17-year-old Creole widow that year. At the wedding, he finally revealed his true identity. He was really called Isaac Verret. He was just an average Joe from Sant, 
a small town in the Charente region of western France. After a life adventuring on the high seas, he died just three years later. As penniless as when he set out. I'm Michelle Rodriguez, and this has been an Ubisoft podcast produced by Paradiso Media. Thanks for listening. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.